I'm talking to a lot of us online this morning. Uh, I know probably a lot, a good number of us are out today because of, of different uh, illnesses. So we're glad to have you with us uh, online this morning. And uh, and so yeah, it's our 20th anniversary, so to speak, of when we started uh, meeting together as a church, and uh, it's exciting, and uh, it's uh, it's pretty cool. It's it's neat to reminisce and go back and look and think about all those things and. Uh, it's good to have, uh, I, I see a lot of people back. Uh, man, where, did, where is Peyton, was Peyton West, is he in here? He came by, man, JR, I, did, I missed you, JR, man, JR. I got a hug on you before this is over, brother. Good to see you. Man, I'm not, I'm not just on you, Barb, I got to hug on you. So, and Tammy, I missed you right in front of, I, man, I got to get to you too. Yeah, so it's good to have the Hatmans back in the house. Ron. You're bad, brother. So, well, it's so good to have everybody, and I know I'm missing some people. It's good to it's good to have. There, there's where's Peyton at? There you are. Okay, he you came to see me earlier. I saw I was distracted. I just wanted to give you some love, man. That was sweet to come over and see me, and uh, and I was I had a whole room full of kids, so I was a little distracted. But I appreciate that. That's sweet. Not that you're sweet. I mean, that's really that's cool. So. Uh, He's the last guy that's sweet. All right, he's as tough as tough as nails. So it's good to have the West back, and and uh, it's just good to have everybody. Bryn Ruby, it's good to see the dies. Yeah, and I, I start doing that, and I'll start missing people. Who uh, I got Connie, man, Connie, she about knocked me over in the hallway. So it's yeah. Oh, and she's just glad to be here. Good to be here. Well, it's good to have you here. So praise the Lord. But uh, I start getting naming names. I'm gonna get in trouble. So I'm sure I've missed some people already. Uh, but if this is uh, if this is your first time to Heartland, maybe you snuck in here today. We're glad to have you, and we're really glad that you're with us. If you didn't get a guest bag or all of those things, there's still uh, guest bags available at the Connections counter, and uh, we really are glad that you're with us today. And I'm just glad that uh, we're able to celebrate together. It's been a while, you know. Of course, we're still going through illness, but uh, we had a season a couple years ago when we were all shut down and. It's just good to, to gather together and do God's will as we're commanded to. So I do need you to uh, remember Lisa's here today. Remember her because her dad just passed away. So we'll be praying for you as you're bereaved at the passing of your father. And uh, and so we're just uh, mindful of all the different things that are going on today. So as we celebrate, others are mourning and grieving. So um, we're so thankful for the gospel, aren't we? I mean, that's really that's really what binds us together. And so... Uh, and so if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to the book of Philippians. We're going to jump in. I told him, I put myself on a clock last night. I'm like, I knew this morning, I'm like, I'm, I'm in trouble uh, on, on my sermon link. Uh, so I got to get right into it. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Philippians 1. If you don't have a Bible, you can grab one from the seat rack in front of you. Turn to page 1568, 1568. Uh, there should be one near you in the seat rack. That's a Bible that's been put together here at HBF. That's yours to take with you. Um, long before January 6th was infamous because of, of uh, you know, the peaceful transfer of power and all of that other stuff that's going on, <laughs> January 6th was a big deal uh, here at HBF because it is the, the date in which we uh, met for the first time as a local New Testament church. Uh, and we weren't wet ones. We were sent ones. We weren't commissioned, however, until... Um, April 24th of 2002. So uh, it was just prior to that at the Kansas City Baptist Temple's World Outreach Celebration. 
that uh, I was ordained, the church was officially commissioned, and then uh, we uh, were down here as a church, you know, under the auspices uh, of KCBT officially, formally, and really like, you know, you're booted out, never come back. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, yeah, we moved out of the house, never to return again. So, um, <laughs> but so as a church, however, we always, uh, especially in the early days, and those that were here in the early days can remember, we always had a kind of a birthday celebration for the first several years at the Christian school. And frankly, it was just because, I don't know about, I don't know how y'all felt that we're here, but I was just glad we made it. <laughs> I mean, every year was like, whew, we got through one year, and then the next year we got through another year. And finally, when you're starting a church, it's, you know, it's a little wobbly. And so, and so you're just glad to get through each year. You, you just really don't know, you know, how it's going to go. And so we celebrated this, you know, around as close as we could get to January 6th every year. We had a little cake usually and all of that, and, and we did that. And so, uh, actually, Luke brought it up. He's like, 20 years is a long time, Brian. You should think about celebrating that. I'm like, that's a good idea, Luke. Um, and, uh, and so, I got to thinking, should we celebrate it on our charter service, uh, which is like June or July? And that's after, you know, we were, you know, established, or, you know, we were chartered, and then we had our own, I should say, our charter service that we had here, and, uh, and, and all of that. But really, as a church, ever since the beginning, we've celebrated our real launching um, it kind of came in phases initially. Of course, we started in Harold's, started in his living room, then we moved to the basement, and then we tore up all of Tammy's carpet, and um, <laughs> and then she kicked us out. No, she didn't. She was so gracious to let us uh, destroy the house, and then we moved to the, um, I'm, I'm embellishing. We didn't destroy it, but we did wear out the carpet, really, <laughs> and, so, and so we went to the uh, Christian school in the fall, I believe, of 2001, just before 9-11, and Roger Grant and Paula, uh, that was the first time you came, was in the Christian school in our first uh, Tuesday night Bible study there. And then Bob and Sarah, I think you came that night as well. And so uh, we began there pretty humbly and, and uh, rolled up into January. Uh, and we were so excited to actually launch and uh, with a PA system that Scott Schenkel was putting together with bailing wire and um, uh, it was it was pretty Spartan. It was fun. It was a good time. So it was a good, it was amazing what God has, has done. And so um, I was thinking back on, you know, all of those things and just thinking about really, you know, a passage that would be appropriate. And, and uh, I spent a lot of time, I've, I've had several outlines and several thoughts. Uh, and as I finished up an outline, I landed at this passage and started a new, a new one. So, uh, so I ended up Philippians chapter one. I want to look at this passage uh, and just kind of use it as an outline, a template for where, how I want to frame the rest of our time together. Philippians chapter 1, um, if you can stand, some of you I know have disabilities and different things, but if you wouldn't mind, let's stand together as we look at the Word of God together and honor God's Word. We're going to read Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 through 11, and we're only going to look then at verses uh, 3 through 11, but we're going to start in verse 1. Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. The Bible says here, Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi, with the bishops and deacons. Grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Even as it is meet for me to thank this of you all, because I have you in my heart, 
<coughs> inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and the confirmation of the gospel, ye all are partakers of my grace. For God is my record, how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that you may approve things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, unto the glory and praise of God. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for this opportunity to get together. We've already sang songs, we've celebrated, and as we read this and we read the longing that <clears throat> Paul had to the saints at Philippi, Lord, we uh, are thankful for how you long for the souls of men. You long to have fellowship with us, you long to reconcile us, <clears throat> and you long to uh, see us unified around your mission, around your word, and around your spirit, Lord, and through the spirit of God that you've given us. Lord, I pray, Heavenly Father, that you bless the time that we have today as we celebrate uh, 20 years of, of gathering together as you've commanded us to on the first day of the week, uh, engaging in the ministry of making disciples in our Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth, as we've endeavored to equip the saints of God and the word of God to accomplish the mission of God and the power of God for the glory of God. Lord, we pray, God, that you would be glorified in all we do and all we say. And Lord, we uh, thank you and we praise you uh, for the time that we have together once again in your word. And Lord, we don't take it for granted. We thank you for each and every time we can meet. We thank you for the opportunities that you give us to accomplish your mission and your power for your glory by your grace. And we ask now a blessing on the reading and the hearing of the word of God in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I'm just going to kind of work off a simple outline. The first thing I want to just point out is that um, at times like this, it's important that we kind of Use what God has shown us here in Philippians and praise God for the past. When you look at what Paul's saying here to the Philippians, he's obviously thankful for what they've done, as he says, from the first day until now. He's looking back in retrospect, and he says, I thank my God. He starts with thanksgiving upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making requests with joy. And so he's happy uh, to be praying for them <clears throat> and interceding for them for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. You know, one of the things that you see here with the Apostle Paul as he looks back is he does it with optimism. He's looking back, and, and the memories that, that come forth are, are, are positive ones. They're optimistic, and, uh, and it's, a praise, it's a praise to God for the fruit of the relationship that they all had in Christ. And I thank God for the gospel. I've already said that once. I'm going to say it again because it's so important. I thank God for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because if it wasn't for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, I, I, don't, I wouldn't know most of you. I would know Amy. Um, but honestly, in this room, I'm thinking, I don't know that I would know anybody in this room other than my wife if it wasn't for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, including the matters. Good to have you guys again for the 20th time. At least he's been here 20 times. I know that. And so, uh, and plus a few more. But I wouldn't know, I wouldn't know people even at, at our sending church for the most part. I know a few of them. But most of the relationships that, that are the dearest to me, uh, no offense to family members, but, the, but frankly, the, the dearest relationships that, that, that I have, uh, in addition to family, is the relationships I have in the family of God. And that comes because of a relationship with God personally through the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I know in the last several weeks, there's been some that have, have been coming in and they're thinking about 
Jesus Christ or thinking about what it means to have a relationship with him. And, and you know, one of the reasons you should do that is because the, the fellowship that we have here isn't perfect by any stretch because we're not completed yet. But the reality is it's a taste and it's a lot better than you're going to get at the bar. It's a lot better than you're going to get anywhere else because this is just a taste of what heaven's going to be like. We have these relationships. As Paul looks back on the church at Philippi and what and how it started in the first days, <clears throat> now where he's at as he introduces this letter, he said a church that started with no no men now has bishops plural and deacons plural. There's been multiplication. The the evidence of the spirit of God and the word of God have been manifest, and there are even more relationships. Relationships are multiplying. Now this isn't just in a social construct. It's not just about oh it's cool to have relationships. I mean, well you can do that through social media, sorta. Uh, they're not real, but you know you can have faux relationships with thousands of your of your closest friends. But the reality is is that this is this connection is a connection with God personally. The gospel when you get connected with God, it automatically connects us with others, doesn't it? We're one, we're in one body, right? And we've got one mind. We're of one accord, the Bible says. So Paul mentions that he is thankful and praying with joy because of their fellowship in the gospel from the first day. So let me ask you this. When did you first hear the gospel? I mean, I think about that. I first heard the gospel when I was a wee little lad, but, uh, but I didn't receive the gospel till I was much older, right? When did you first hear the gospel? And when did you receive the gospel? Because really, you know, you know, really, why do we celebrate 20 years? It's not just because we meet together. I mean, meeting together is a cool thing. But at the end of the day, what we're really about is connecting people to God through the gospel, through the good news from the first day that not only you hear the gospel, but you receive the gospel, right? And everybody, I pray everybody under the sound of my voice in here and watching online, we've all come to that place, not only that we've heard the gospel, but at some point we receive the gospel in our heart because that's really what binds us together. And maybe today, maybe today is the first day that you will fellowship in the gospel. If you're not saved or you've been thinking about getting saved, man, today is the day of salvation. Today would be a great day to write yourself in to the story of what God is doing in regard to his fellowship with the saints. And, uh, you know, our 20th anniversary is a celebration. But you know what? If someone comes to faith in Christ, <laughs> the Bible tells us that, that the, the hosts of heaven erupt in rejoicing when you call upon the name of the Lord as Savior. Man, when you do that, it, it causes a party in heaven. It's way bigger than what, anything that's going to go on here today. And wouldn't that be a cool thing to be, as we celebrate HBF being 20 years uh, old that someone came to faith today? That would be incredible. That would be amazing. That would be a great celebration. So we praise God for the fruit of our relationship with one another. Paul is reminiscent about the establishment of the church at Philippi. When Paul initially entered Macedonia at the behest of that vision that he received, he saw a man in Macedonia, you know, waving him over. And uh, many of us know that from the book of Acts, <clears throat> in Acts chapter 16. And he, of course, endeavored to <clears throat> go to uh, Macedonia. He gets to Philippi in Acts 16, 13, and he finds a, a woman, right, Lydia. And, uh, and uh, she's having a prayer meeting down by the river. They don't even have enough uh, to gather up a synagogue. And so Paul enters into that situation. And uh, he has now, you know, reached the continent of Europe. And uh, in, in his first endeavor, there was no man waving him in at that moment. There was a lady praying by the river. And so Paul was reminiscent of all that God had done in Philippi. And when he thought about that, 
and what God did to get him there and what God did, uh, it, was what, it was what God wanted to have done. It wasn't really, I mean, obviously Paul was a key person in that, but God was wanting to get the gospel. to. The, but Paul was bouncing around Asia before that. He wasn't sure where the next opportunity was until God showed him. And so he gets over there, and man, uh, initially it didn't look like much, but it became uh, quite a church. Uh, and so the past few days and weeks, um, you know, when I've had occasion, I've been reminiscing about even the first days of HBF and the fruit of HBF. And when Paul wrote these words to the church at Philippi, uh, they were really still in motion. It wasn't like everything was done at Philippi. He's writing these words to encourage them in their current state because it's far from over. Uh, there were still a lot of things going on there. But he was remembering what had happened as he arrived there, and he remembered back to those meetings and all the things that had gone on. And I can, I can remember, uh, you know, before there was an HB, uh, HBF, uh, just in my own life, God doing things in my heart to get me here. And I know God's done things in your guys' hearts to get you here because God's doing something that's bigger than any one person. Uh, we're all about his mission, right? Our mission here is to equip the saints of God and the word of God to accomplish the mission of God and the power of God for the glory of God. By the grace of God, that will happen. And I can still remember driving down the highway with Bruce Metter on the circuit long before I was ever thinking about Harrisonville, talking about accomplishing the mission in the context of a local New Testament church and the need to reach the world. I can remember having meetings with Harold and sitting down and saying, Harold, <clears throat> do you believe that God can reach the world from Cass County? And he was like, yes, at my house. I had the church plant team. Once we finally had enough to have a team, I think it was Hatman's and the Sloan's and the Shankles. It was a pretty small nucleus. Um, and I said, look, that was the, that was the if you went in the club, <laughs> you went in the club, this is what you got to believe. Or, this is what I got to know. Do you believe we can reach the world from Cass County? That's all, because that's the mission. Go you therefore teach all nations. If we can't make disciples everywhere, then, then that's the wrong place. We need to go somewhere where we can. And of course, everybody was affirmative, and they're like, yes, we can do that. But they didn't just say that. To, they, we all believe that. And, uh, and God is doing a work. And he wants to do that work everywhere, obviously, and not just here. But you have to believe it, literally, that God's going to do that work in and through you. Uh, somehow, some way, through the power of his word, through the power of his spirit, through the power of the local New Testament church, and if that's not going to happen, then don't waste your time having church, right? Because we aren't a club. We're not an organization. We are the living organism of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are the church of the living God. We are here to reproduce supernatural fruit. That's why we exist. And I know that's amen choir for most of us. We understand that. But Paul was on a mission, and he had so many days, and he had so many things to get accomplished. And, that, and at the end of the day, it was to get the church established among the Gentile peoples everywhere he could, and anywhere he could. And as I remember back on, on the early meetings and all the discussion and all the talk and really a lot of the dreaming, I can remember the, uh, the, the Bible studies. Before we even had a, a meeting here or at the school, you know, at, at Harold's house, and, um, and I, I'm, not, I'm not really kidding about the carpet. We really did tear up Tammy's carpet. And uh, tear-ups may be too strong. We wore it out. You know, you get 20 people a week tromping in and out of your house, up and down your stairs in your basement and stuff, you wear stuff out. And, uh, and you know, and she was just a super trooper and just kept on going. And I can remember the day that Pat Shell got saved as, uh, down in the basement at uh, Harold's house. And I can remember th those early days um, at the Christian school in 2000 when we, or 2001 when we started there. 
and that first Tuesday night Bible study, and I'm just, you know, I'm just going back in my mind thinking about all of those things. I can remember uh, what it was like on September 11th of that year, you know, when the Twin Towers fell that day. I was at work down at the Fagan Company, and coming down to Bible study, you just, all that, any of you alive back then in, in, uh, in that, those days? And, uh, and so, uh, and so back in the day when that went on, I don't know about y'all, but, you know, they were gouging people at the gas lines up in Kansas City. The lines were long, get gas in your car and all that. And so it was just a really weird, uncertain feeling. And I'm driving, I remember Amy and I got in the car, we still lived in Independence, of course, and we drove down here, and I'm thinking, I don't know if anyone's going to show up tonight. A Bible study. It just everybody was watching the news. They were glued to the television. You know, you want you didn't know what was next. And, uh, and man, I showed up at this at this Christian school, and we were only like been there a week or two. I mean, it's like our second week, I think, for Bible study there. I don't quite remember, but man, it was it was like we had a we had a huge crowd. I think we had 20 people, and so uh, it was uh, or 30 maybe. I don't know, but it was it was a good turnout for Bible study. And I was just like, wow, this is. It's just little kisses of God, little little confirmations that hey, just keep doing what you're doing. You're 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 doing what I told you to do. You guys are doing what you need to be doing, and uh, that really I just remember being so impressed, uh, not just by the the uh, tenacity of the people and the focus on the Word of God. We had a great Bible study that night about uh, the principalities and powers that night and how to deal with all of those things. And so uh, I can remember our first baptism service. There was a picture of some guy, the baptism ties in up there earlier. And uh, that was our first baptism service. And uh, we had this guy who was a convert, uh, Brian Prettyman and Felisa got saved. And they were also baptized that day. This guy is like six something, you know, he's a tall dude. And man, everything was going fine. We baptized, man, we get this guy down. And I mean, like the whole tub just overflows all over the place. So, and uh, you have all those memories and all those funny things that happen. And uh, when you start a church, there's just a lot of first, just a lot of first, just like when you start a family, just like when you start anything, start a new job, there's a lot of first. And uh, I remember the first board meeting at our house, the first VBS, the first missionary uh, we took on was Blake Anderson, the first missions trip to, with Jeff Barker. Uh, it was the first time, I think, if I remember, it was the first time that uh, Sharon Vulcan ever flew. And so was, she, her first time to fly was to go to Brazil. And, uh, and that was myself and Harold and Bob Bolkin and Sharon. I think that was the trip. And I walked on my hands, and, and uh, Harold did not believe I could walk on my hands. You remember that? I think you took a picture of me, actually. So uh, I said, uh, that's, that's a challenge. What's that? Uh, I don't think, I think today he doesn't believe I could walk on my hands. <laughs> At the time, I convinced him, so. But I can still break dance. So anyway... <laughs> Um, I can remember Bob Bickett, you know, entering the doors of HBF, and of course, J.R. Hatman. I mean, man, the best greeter in the world, uh, bringing that trailer up with Eric and Mark Brizendine and John Doherty, and and again, there's just so many memories, and I'm going to forget names and offend people, so forgive me, Uh, but, uh, you know, back then, ministry was simple, you know, uh, it was like fixing a guy, like going to Scott Shankle's house and putting a shower in, I mean, that was ministry, and uh, it wasn't a huge organization. It was just show up and do it. And you just did what you could where you could and tried to get traction. And, uh, and it was just simple like that. Um, I can remember uh, the Bulkins when they came to our church and how men like, like Bob Bulkin and, and Walt Hundiff and those guys lent me their credibility. And those guys are well-respected in this community. Uh, and there was others, Ron Reeves, uh, you know, those older fellas. 
uh, and they said, hey, you should, not only should you come, but, you know, we're listening. They're sitting down every week listening to this young whippersnapper. And, uh, and I really, really appreciate uh, those folks and their investment in HBF over the years. And I've said those things before, and I just want you to know I mean it, and I still uh, believe all of those things. And uh, the precious, some of those pictures, there's people that got, of course, those, uh, have gone home to be at the Lord. We had a whole nucleus of people. And when we came down here, I had this vision for like a young church. You know, I'm 32 years old. Um, I'm actually 31. Uh, I turned 32 as we started in, um, in 02. And so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I had this thing. I'm thinking, okay, we're going to have 20-year-olds and 30-year-olds and, you know, a few 40, those older 40-year-olds. And, uh, and, and, man, immediately, it wasn't long once we started meeting, we have this, like, the bulk of the church is, you know, 60, 70, 80, I mean, Radine Reese and all those folks, and man, it was like, wow, we, we did start younger, but now we're getting older quick, and I tell you, those, those elderly widows were the most precious things, uh, I mean, I talk about looking back on fondness and remembrance and having joy, you look, you think about those ladies, we, we had Phyllis Riddle's piano up here forever um, that she donated to the church, she was an incredible musician, and those folks connected uh, me, but us as a church, directly to our heritage. I'm a big church history person. And, man, it was a direct connect. Uh, some of them were in our, our sending churches, church when it was a church plant, uh, back in Kansas City in a garage and, and things like that. And it was just incredible to, to realize, wow, we're just, we're just part of the story. KCBT was a church plant once. HBF was a church plant once. I remember when Don Allen showed up here and sat in my office and was talking about transferring here to the HBF, and, and I about fell out of my chair when he, he, he says, Brian, this just reminds me so much of KCBT. Now, mind me, we're in our building now, so, you know, we've arrived. we got a building. But, you know, I'm, I'm like, I about fell out of my chair. I'm like, how, in, in what way in the world does this remind you of KCBT other than discipleship? Um, you know, <laughs> what, what about that? He goes, oh, it's the, it's the gravel parking lot. I'm like, gravel parking lot? What are you talking? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I remember when, you know, when he was young, we used to have to pull cars out of the parking lot on Sunday at KCBT because they get stuck in the gravel. And I'm like, what? And, I'm like, and he would tell me these stories, and he goes, yeah, this is what, Kate, this is what Heartland reminds me of. And I was just, I mean, that I mean, it sounds weird, doesn't it? But that encouraged my heart because I'm like, oh, I guess they didn't always have a huge building with, asphalt parking lots and all of that. There was a time, right? There's seasons of life as churches, just like people, and you grow and you go through all these seasons of life. And it's beautiful to look back on all those things and to remember and reflect and, and obviously do all that with, with joy. And there's so many firsts from the first day until now. And, uh, uh, and, and so I, I could just spend, I literally could spend the rest of the time uh, and much, much more, just talking about all of those things. But before we started HBF, and, and we did gather, and we did talk about the really the ultimate thing is the most important thing, and that, that is, can we really make disciples that make disciples that will reach the world? Because that ultimately is what it is all about. And what brings us all together is ultimately the mission of God, the mandate to get the gospel where it needs to go on time. And that has been consistent from the first day now and to make disciples that are capable of carrying the ball <coughs> forward and to see missionaries sent and churches planted disciples made in the communities and the counties not just around hbf but literally across the world and if we're not actually doing it ourselves which we need to be doing it ourselves we're also helping others that are doing it and that's always 
uh, what we've been about, and that's always what we're going to be about. And for everyone at HBF that's been here over the past 20 years, there's been first. Uh, everyone can remember their first contact, their first time they walked in the door, their first interaction with this person or that person, their first funny story, their first sad story, their first thing that went wrong, or whatever the case may be. But, but there's always going to be those firsts in your life as, as God brings you in contact with the will of God. Maybe today, uh, for you, is the first day uh, at HBF. Maybe it'll be a first for you. But as we're arriving as a, at the end of this church age, um, and the, the, we're finishing the course, it has really been an amazing thing for me to look back 20 years out of 2,000. You know, that's 1%. And uh, we've had an opportunity, or is that even less than one? Is that one-tenth of a percent? So 20 years uh, out, of the, out of 2,000, uh, we, I'm glad that we've had that tiny, tiny, tiny little sliver of opportunity to be part of the story of what God is doing in church history. And when you read an epistle like Philippians, Paul's at the beginning of the church age, and we're like 180 degrees on the opposite end of the spectrum, right before Jesus comes for his church, and we're still doing exactly what it is that God was calling Paul to do in the first century, and that is to run our race and finish our course and get the gospel where it needs to go on time. And so uh, the questions that I ask myself are simply this. Does the fruit of our relationship with Christ produce this kind of thanksgiving and joy in the lives of others. When Paul thought about the church at Philippi, it, it resonated with joy. It made him smile. It made him think about the goodness of God. And does that is that that is so um, that is so contagious. Who in the kingdom of God? Who is in the kingdom of God? I should say rather, because of the efforts that you have invested in the kingdom of God yourself, in the local church, in the Word of God. And so I can fortunately say, without getting into every name. The, the, the investment that you've made here at HBF has redounded to fruit to the glory of God. I mean, there are people saved. We can start parading people by that have gotten saved. Their lives have been changed. It's not because of me. It's not really because of you. It's because of Jesus. But it is because of us submitting to Jesus and doing what Jesus has told us to do. And it's amazing. And, and that brings great joy. Uh, and, and, you know, I pray that others thank God when they remember the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ here at HBF. And so um, it's all about maturation. Uh, God has to grow us as we go. And the church at Philippi grew with great joy uh, because they were faithful. When Paul wrote to these Philippians, he did it with joy because they, they weren't like the Corinthians. You don't see as much, I mean, he's really cool with the Corinthians in the first chapter, but it goes south quick. Uh, the Philippians, though, man, he's full of joy. Why? Because they were so obedient. And, and uh, he had so much confidence that God would finish that work in them. In verses 5 and 6, he says, For your, your fellowship, I'm thankful for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So I used to end all of my prayer letters with a passage from 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 24. And that passage says, Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. The question really in that passage, if you look at that just standing alone, is, well, what is it? You know, faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. Well, what is it? And that's a great question to ask. And the answer to that is found in the verse prior in 1 Thessalonians 5.23. The Bible says, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
You see, Paul was confident that God was going to continue to see souls saved uh, from the wrath to come. The context of 1 Thessalonians 5 states that the very thing that, that, uh, that it follows this description of chapter 4, of the catching away, is this, this salvation that occurs to the church, that we're not appointed to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's in 1 Thessalonians chapter uh, 5 and verse 9. And then he goes on to the end of the chapter here as we get to the verse 23 and 24, and he talks about how God is able to preserve them. He's able to keep them. He's able to protect them. And from the first day till now, that's been my prayer for HBF. Our vision is found in Philippians chapter 2, and it's to be a church in the, in the heart of America, right? A church in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation that continues to shine brightly. Until when? Well, until the, the day of Jesus Christ. It's mentioned in chapter 1. It's mentioned in chapter 2. The day of Jesus Christ is the, is the catching away of the church. And so uh, Jesus is not only good for our salvation, but he's good for our sanctification. And God uses the ministry of discipleship to prepare us for our final stop in heaven. And it's not enough just to lead people to Christ. We've we got to go further and make disciples because that's what God has entrusted us to do. God has, has a, a building schedule. Right? When you build a building, you have a start date, you have a finish date, and God knows uh, what it will take to finish the work in our lives. He also knows what it takes to finish the work in the church. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, and verse 16, the Bible says all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, right? for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. So when you have a construction project, it's on a schedule. This building that you're sitting in right now was on a schedule. The ground was broken on uh, June 25th of 2006. On the 27th, uh, we sent Harold and Tammy to Brazil. Um, the, the site was prepared, and then on, on September 8th of 2006, they began uh, building the actual building. Um, <clears throat> in five years... In five years, we moved from having a Bible study in a basement uh, to seeing that building constructed, and it was completed on August 27th of 2007. We held our first service in the building on May 6th of 2007. How many of you were here for that? Oh, man, that's a lot. I, should, I was going to have the folks that were here. If you, let me, I'm going to pause my message. It should be over in about 10 minutes, if I'm lucky. If you were here the first Sunday, could you stand up? I just want to see that. Oh, man. Harold, you were here. Tammy, you were here. Get up. <laughs> yeah. Man, praise the Lord. You guys weren't. You're too young. That's okay. You were vicariously through your parents, but uh, that's awesome. I was going to do that at the beginning. I slipped my mind, so I appreciate it. Bruce, did you stand up? Okay. I'm going to make sure I got you. So that's quite a contingency and uh, that are still here. That's amazing. So I praise the Lord for that. That's a spiritual building. Physically, it, it, there's a schedule. And, um, and so uh, the construction was completed, and our first church service in this building uh, was uh, kind of crazy. Uh, it was raining. The AC went out. I remember that. And uh, it, was just, it was like a, it was an incredible day. Uh, and then on June 3rd of, of uh, 2007, we had our building dedication Pastor Jeff Adams came and preached that. Uh, Art Harris, was, I made a big mistake. Art Harris came and I didn't acknowledge him. He's the guy who sold us the property. And so I'll never forget that. I still feel bad about that, Jr. But um, he's in heaven now, so I'm sure he's forgiven me. But, uh, but uh, we had a, hu it was a huge turnout. I was so amazed at everybody that came. Uh, but you know what? That all happened because Dan Bowden. Dan Bowden actually uh, got with us and set up a, the, helped us get the thing designed. 
helped us get it built. He made sure there were people here to get everything done. The subcontractors was in. He worked with our, our volunteer efforts. All that other, you know what? Somebody put us on a time frame and made sure that everything came together. You know, as Paul's writing to the Philippians, he's like, hey guys, I'm so excited that God is doing a work. I'm excited about what he has done, but I'm also looking forward to what he will do until the day of Christ. You know, we're on a time schedule here. We're on a building process and we're on the clock. You know, there wasn't time if, if uh, the, when the guys were here working, they were working. We, we rolled in here to put in the IT gear uh, like five o'clock, six o'clock in the morning one morning. And, uh, and it just so happened that was the day the rockers, we were there because we knew the rockers were supposed to come. I had no idea, right? We started down this hallway. By the time we got all those to this side of the building, putting in the, the runs for where we we're going to pull our data cable, the sheet rockers showed up two or three hours after we did, and they were halfway around the building. I mean, you talk about having to get it done on time. Now, we barely got it in before they put the sheetrock over it. Why? Because they're on a schedule. Time is money. Now, God's not on a time is money schedule, but God is, he's on a schedule. He's only going to put up with the sin of humanity so long. And guys, we are the hope of the world. Well, Jesus is the hope of the world, but we have the gospel. and We represent him in this world. And he wants us to be about the building process that he's about. He wants us to be about equipping the saints of God and the word of God, about taking the scripture, all scripture that we have been given by inspiration is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness. Why? So we can perfect, we can complete the building project in people's lives and also the building project of the local church and the building project that God is doing with the, the church around the world. That's what we're here uh, doing because in Matthew 16, 18, Jesus said, I will build my church, right? He wasn't talking about Peter building the church. He's talking about, I will build my church. He'll use Peter, he'll use you, he'll use me, and he has been using us for 20 years, praise God. So God will finish uh, what he starts. In 2 Corinthians 5, 1, the Bible says, for we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Right? We're not looking forward to this sheetrock and steel and concrete. This stuff's going to burn to the ground someday. What we're looking forward to is what is going to come in eternity. The building work that we're involved in is souls of men and the word of God. God finishes the date the day that, on the day of Christ when the church is taken up. And the day of Christ, by the way, is mentioned three times in Philippians 1.10, Philippians 2.16, and 2 Thessalonians 2.2. 2. Uh, it's not the same as the day of the Lord, uh, which is the second coming as Paul lays it out in 2 Thessalonians 2. Uh, <clears throat> but the catching away of the church is the day of Christ. It begins the process of the second coming when Jesus comes to uh, get the church at the, or get uh, come back and return physically to rule the world at the end of the seven-year tribulation period. So just like Jesus' first coming started at his birth, uh, his public ministry also started later, 30 years later. And then, of course, he died on the cross at 33 years. Um, you know, that's all considered the first coming of Christ. So the second coming really, in essence, once the church goes out, it's just a seven-year table, a time clock, and then Jesus Christ is going to return and establish his throne on this earth. And so we will be complete when Jesus comes to catch us away and take us home to heaven. The building work of the church is done, and then we become an army and return back to rule and reign with him. So your spiritual growth does reach a conclusion, and maturity is really important. It's important that we do make disciples. You know, many of you are familiar with the seven stages of discipleship, repentance, enlightenment, ministry training, leadership development, uh, reevaluation, 
and renewed consecration, ministry leadership, and consec- uh, consecration of world vision or missions. But your earthly ministry will draw you uh, to, a, to the close of your death uh, or the rapture, whichever comes first. And Paul was aware that each day that he, that he was drawing closer and closer and closer to leaving this body, being absent from the body, and present with the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And his work would be complete. His time on earth would be done. But there's still more work to do. And that's why it's imperative that we stay about the business of disciple making because it's not just about your generation. It's about the generations that come behind. (coughs) And we are committed to that. (coughs) And it is a building process. And there is a process. In 1 Corinthians 3, Paul Paul told the church there, he says, I have planted... That's a great process, right? It's a teamwork. Paul says, I planted. Paul is watered. There's a team effort. Ultimately, who gets the glory? God. God gives the increase. God is the one. He's the only one that can make things go. He's the only one who can make things grow, right? He's what makes the plants grow. He's what makes the church grow. He's what makes your body grow. I mean, God is is truly awesome. The context of 1 Corinthians 3, however, uh, is not maturity. It's immaturity. If you go to that chapter where he's talking about, I've planted, planted Apollos' water, but God gives the increase. You know what he's actually doing at the beginning of the chapter? He's saying, you know what? Some of y'all are carnal, and you're like babes in Christ. You know what that means? You're hindering the, work, the, the building process. I planted Apollos' water. God gave the increase. God's growing it, but I need some people to, to, to grow up. Now, think about this with me. You know what you need to do a construction project? When Dan Bowden hired his crews to come out here and work, I didn't see one kid come out here on his work crews. I saw no one, you know, under 20 years old working the job. When, we, when, when you see a child on a construction site, they're either doing one or two things. They're usually playing or they're getting hurt. <laughs> you know, one of those two things. But a construction site, what is that usually made for? That's, that's usually made, no offense, ladies, uh, it's made for definitely adults and typically men. Men that are mature enough to be able to carry lumber, swing a hammer, run a drill, right, install equipment, do whatever it is. It's made for maturity. Now, Paul's in this building process, and he needs to see it done. He's on a time frame, and he tells the church of Philippi, man, you're doing awesome. I'm so excited from the first day until now. Look at the fruit. It's incredible. Look at the churches of Macedonia. Because they had a lot of money? No, they had, they had very little money, but God blessed them anyway. Because they had all the resources of, of uh of the Bible and the Jewish synagogues that some of the other places in Europe had? Nope, not because of that. A lot of them didn't. They were pagans. It's because of their heart for God, their love for God, and their ability to mature and grow and do the mission of God. But he goes to Corinth, a very affluent city, a city that's very educated, uh, and, a, and a city that has means. And he says, you know what, guys? We're trying to get a building process going here, but a lot of you are babies, and they couldn't bear up the weight of the construction process because they allowed sin to come in and cripple the effort. And so as a church, it's so important. It is by the grace of God, right? Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. God does all the work, but we do have a part in it. And it's us doing our part and walking in the spirit so we don't fulfill the lusts of the flesh. You know, God needs as many bodybuilders as possible. And I'm not talking about these type of bodybuilders. I'm talking about people who can engage in the mission of building the body. Now, not everybody has to be a discipler. 
but we need as many of those as we can. Not everybody has to be the next pastor, the next HBI graduate, or the next whatever it is that you think is the thing that you can't attain to. Don't worry about that. Just be the best you that God's made you to be and grow up in grace. Get discipled. Get, get in the Word of God. Learn God's mind and apply it in your life. There's every opportunity to do that in this church. You know, every church needs faithful men and women to grow up so the church can continue to equip the saints of God and the Word of God to accomplish the mission of God and the power of God for the glory of God by the grace of God. So when you look back on your life from the day of salvation until the last, are you going to be able to say, and can I say, that there are people that are left in the body that can continue to build behind? Have we grown anyone up behind us? Who is in the body because of us? Yes, we need to lead people to Christ. But also, those people that get saved, are they growing up behind us? Now, I'm preaching in the choir. I know we got 20-some people in discipleship right now and all of that. But ultimately, it's not just another Bible study. It's not just another time to get together. It's not just another checkbox. Ultimately, we should be growing in grace and knowledge. We should be growing in our ability to bear up under the mission of God and our responsibility and grow up and not be like those Corinthians who were messing up in the book of Corinthians, though God was full of grace with them. Today, you can be confident that God is working in you until you take your last breath. Isn't that encouraging? All right, so I'm going to be short because i got to be done, but let me finish this up. When you go to verse 7 and 8, we see that we got to, thanks be to God, why? Because we praise God for the past, but you know what? We also have power for the present. Even as it is meet for me to thank this of you all, because I have you in my heart, insomuch as both in my bonds and in the defense of the confirmation of the gospel, ye all are partakers of my grace. The grace that he had overflowed onto them. For God is my record, how greatly I longed after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. You know, we need to make sure we keep our brothers in your heart because it produces power for the present. Paul was in a situation here where he was, he was thinking on his brothers. And he says, I have you in my heart. Now, at this time, Paul, of course, was not available to them, and he's writing this epistle. That's why he wrote it. But Paul drew strength from the faithfulness of other faithful men, the Philippian brothers. And that's what, it, that's what he meant when he said, it's meet for me to thank this of you. When I think of you, I think of faithfulness. He was saying that <clears throat> it was right for him to have joy and confidence in their future because he knew they were faithful men. If you want to have joy and confidence in the future today, man, you need to be a faithful man or woman, and you need to be uh, thinking about faithfulness. You need to be encouraged by other faithful men and women. You see, keep other brothers in your heart. God places others in our life to help us endure affliction. Paul drew strength from the Macedonians because those brothers Man, they, were, they started in affliction. Remember the story? The first male convert that we see in the book of Acts was that Philippian jailer. We don't see another male convert. Now, there may have been one I don't know about, but we see Paul and Silas bound in prison. They are in affliction, but in affliction, they are rejoicing. Immediately after that situation and the jailhouse rocked, of course, we know that that Philippian jailer got saved and his whole house, and uh, it would have been his head. And the, the church of Philippi, they endured difficulty. They endured affliction, just like the church at Thessalonica, the churches of Macedonia. It wasn't easy to be a Christian there. But when Paul saw the faith of these people and the way they endured hardness, you know what? It helped him endure hardness. And beloved, you know, I, we draw a lot of encouragement, don't we, from our brothers and sisters. You saw a picture of Ganesh up there on the screen earlier. You know, Pradeep Lima, Krista Das uh, uh, Erla. I mean, we got lots of brothers. 
and many more, some of which I can't even talk about out loud. And we know every, every time they have church, it's difficult, right? And their culture, I mean, they, it's, 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 sometimes it's life and death, the stuff that they're facing. Real martyrdom, not, 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 and real persecution. And so, and so, you know what we should do? We should draw encouragement. The fact that God allows us to be in the same ministry with these folks is incredible. I mean, I'm like, I don't know if I can carry their water bucket. You know, I'm like, thank you, Jesus, for the opportunity to, have to, to be able to do ministry with men that are so sincere. I think Paul was encouraged by the Macedonians because he saw faithfulness in, him, in them that he wanted to have in his own life. And, of course, he did have that kind of faithfulness. And when I saw that picture of Joe Sparks and Loyal George up there, it reminded me of that. I thought, you know, those, those men... What bound Joe Sparks and Loyal together? Well, they were both veterans of World War II. And uh, they didn't have to talk about it. They already knew. I mean, we were so blessed as a church, by the way, to have, a, have someone who survived Pearl Harbor in our church for so many years. And uh, what a blessing that is. Joe Spark, uh, Sparks, April 1st, 1945, invaded Okinawa. And uh, not a lot of guys live to tell about that either. And so what, what bound them together? They were both in... in, in in epic battles, and I'm not even, that is truly epic, what we're talking about. I mean, in the true sense of the word, epic battles, conflicts in our age. Two of those men circulated through here. And they brought, and what brought them together was the battle itself. It, it was a big battle. And they survived. And they got through it. And many in our church are in big battles. I mean, I look, Randy's every day, he's, he's day to day, he's trusting Jesus. I mean, he's in a battle and he's winning. He's already won because of Christ, but there's a lot. You've got lots of people here that are going through health battles, right? Physical battles, there's spiritual battles, emotional battles. <clears throat> you know what? God brings us together because we need power in the present. We need to have that power in the present to get through uh, the things that God wants us to get through so we can continue to glorify God in time and eternity. And when I looked at that picture and I saw those two soldiers sitting there, I thought, man, isn't that neat how God knit them together and now they're home in heaven. They ran their race and finished their course. And God used them in our life as an example of what faithful men look like. We draw strength from the faithfulness of other brothers. First Peter 5, 9 says, uh, We should resist the devil, being steadfast in faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. There's always going to be opposition, but you're not alone. You're not alone at all. There's others that haven't bowed the knee to Baal. And so know that you're not alone in the battle. You remember old Elijah thought he was, but he wasn't. He said, hey, man, Elijah, there's 4,000 knees that haven't bowed their knee to Baal in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 18. God is, rec is recording our lives. Paul says in verse 8, for God is my record. You know, today we have, my phone's over there, praise God, I don't want it. But we have these devices, and they're always recording everything we're doing, right? I mean, you, you, you say, man, that Charmin toilet paper was really soft. Next thing you know, you get ads on your phone for uh, Charmin toilet paper or whatever. I mean, everything you say and do is always being recorded. But you know what? Long before there was this kind of technology, there's the Holy Spirit of God recording. He's a record. You know one of the things he's recording? He's recording our interactions with one another. That's why we, you know, the, the end of the month here, the, the Lord's Supper is coming up in January. And when we take the Lord's Supper, we take it seriously. Why? Because that's where the, that's, we're reminded that our power, our unity comes through Jesus Christ's sacrifice for us. I mean, talk about offense. Like everyone left him, and yet he still died on the cross for them, except for John. John didn't, but all the others. And he still went to the cross. Why? 
because he loves us. I mean, there's no, there is no room in the body of Christ to hold on to grudges or anything. Why? Because Jesus Christ took care of all of our sin. And so he makes it possible to reconcile through the word of reconciliation and the ministry of reconciliation. So do the burdens that God places on you inspire others to live and encourage them uh, to go forward or do they encourage them to quit? Man, I hope that they don't encourage them to quit. God has the recorder on. And, God, and Paul says, you know what? God is recording. He's my record of how much I long for you. I've been praying, and those prayers have entered the third heaven. He knows, he knows me like I know him. I have the mind of the Spirit, and he has my mind, and I am praying for y'all. And I mean it, right? And, I, and he doesn't just say that to them. He's saying that to God. That's who really matters. God knows his heart. Today, you know what? We would do a, we'd, do, we'd be wise to quit worrying about everybody recording us and just getting God's... Getting God's uh, device, right? Getting in his, his purview and, and pray for the things that really mean something to him, which is the souls of men. Not just the ones that need to be saved, but your brethren in this world that are going through it. <clears throat> and so uh, the record, by the way, is a, is a word that uh, also means witness. In 1 John 5, 10, Paul's, or John says, he that believeth on the Son of God hath this witness, has this record in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar because he believeth not the record that same word is used twice in that one verse, that God gave his son. And this is the record that God hath given us eternal life in his life, in this life, I'm sorry, is in his son. So let me ask you this morning, what is God recording in your life? Is he recording the power of your love for him and others, right? The great commandment. We talked a lot about the great commission, but where's the great commandment? If we want to have power, all power was given unto him, right? Matthew chapter uh, uh, 28 and verse 19. All power is given to me in heaven and earth. But where do we get the power? Well, we know in Acts chapter 2 when the Spirit of God descended, the Spirit of God uh, is what it cannot be quenched and cannot be grieved. If we want to have God's power, we need to be walking in the Spirit. It's the power that we need. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. But in the Acts chapter 2 when the church needed power, where did they get it from? They got it from the Spirit of God, the fulfillment, Christ in them, the hope of glory. And that's the power that we have. We have God's Spirit. We have God's Word. And we have the local church. It's the power for the present. And beloved, we got the power. <clears throat> and lastly, and I'll be done, is the provision for the future. Because as, as good as God has been in the past, and He's been good, praise God, it's important that we have the power in the present to accomplish His mission. And we need that. We need to do that through the great commandment. Uh, but you know what? His yoke is easy and his burden is light. But lastly, we need the provision for the future. He says in verse 9, And this I pray you, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and judgment. With all the great things going on there at Philippi, he says there's even more. Right? There's even more. I need you to continue. to. Be, I'm going to start off by praying. I'm going to pray that you, you, your love may abound, that it will continue to grow. More in knowledge and in all judgment, that you may approve things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense until the day of Christ. There's that, that word, day of Christ, again. Being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, unto the glory and praise of God. So I pray that our growth will continue to abound. That's what, that's what we need to do is continue to grow. Grow in prayer. You know, that's what impacts the future. It impacts the present. <clears throat> is the prayer of the saints. Grow in love, you know, that our love may abound. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 3, 3, 8, that charity never fails. 
right? He goes on and talks about the other things, the gifts will fail. We can grow in knowledge. Knowledge is not, you know, in of itself is not all we need, but it isn't bad either. You need to grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul did say in 1 Corinthians 8, 1, now it's touching things offered into idols. We know that we have knowledge, knowledge puffeth up, but charity edifieth. Without the balance of love, knowledge isn't any good. But you need, you need to have some knowledge to accompany your love so you know what to do with it. We can grow in judgment. Knowledge and charity, that experience requires a judge. You know, some think, well, Christians can't judge. You know what? We can prove all things, right? And someday we'll judge angels. So we can judge. We have the standard of judgment, which is the word of God. And we need to prove things that are excellent. You know, let me ask you, do you have an excellent name? I pray that you do. In Psalms 8, 1, the Bible says, The Lord our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set the glory above the set thy glory, I'm sorry, above the heavens. Man, the most excellent name there is is the Lord Jesus Christ. Excellent in knowledge of God's word. I have have not I written unto thee excellent things and counsels and knowledge. Uh, in Proverbs twenty two twenty says, God has given us the excellent things that we need in the Word of God. We have the excellent things. His knowledge, His name, uh, is excellent. His Bible is excellent. It excels everything else. There's no other thing. It, it's, it is the thing that we exalt. It is the thing that we need. The world describes <clears throat> an excellent testimony as light. In Daniel five fourteen, when Daniel was um, uh, being looked upon by his peers. It says, I have heard of thee that the spirit of the gods is in thee and that light and understanding and excellent wisdom is found in thee. When people could see the spirit of God in Daniel, they, they, they called it light. They called it excellent. Lost people could see that there was something resonating from Daniel. What wasn't? It was the excellence of God. It excelled anything you got on the earth. Beloved, this Bible excels anything that you'll ever find on this earth. The knowledge of God, the spirit of God, the word of God. In Matthew 5, 16, the Bible says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father, which is in heaven. And beloved, that is exactly what our mission here at Heartland is. As the vision is, is that we would be found <clears throat> um, as, a, as a church that is blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom we shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. And by God's grace, the work that uh, you put in, man, it is not in vain. I sent Harold an email the other day just saying, bro, you just got to know the work that came your carpet was not in vain, sister. I mean, the work that you put into the ministry is not in vain. I went, Randy and I had a great trip to, to Zambia a couple years ago. Man, all these pastors come flooding in and dancing, and it was, that was incredible. Well, you know what, that, the, the work that Randy put in Zambia and, and, uh, and Julie put in Zambia, it was not in vain, right? The work you put in is not in vain. Man, you continue to do what it is, and you, man, I tell you, the past is awesome, that you need power in the present, but you got to look forward to the future, and understand that it is God who's going to provide. Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. He will preserve your whole body, soul, and spirit blameless under the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because he's excellent. His ways are above our ways. He is so much better than us. And you know what? We need to be as sincere and without offense until the day of Christ.
And beloved, <clears throat> I'm preaching to the choir. <clears throat> I know that you guys are sincere. I know that you serve the Lord with sincerity and purity. And, and I praise God for that. And because of that, it's going to produce fruit, eternal fruit that brings glory to God, like he talks about in verse 11. It'll, it'll produce internal fruit, like the Bible speaks of in Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit. And it'll, it'll, uh, it'll also produce external fruit, right? Fruit that comes for, from winning people, right? Who, who win his souls is wise. God will give us fruit and fruit that remains in the lives of other souls. So what kind of fruit does our life produce? And I pray it's the fruit that, that draws people to Christ due to our witness, to the light that comes from our life. The fruit is, is by Jesus Christ. Interesting thing he says there in that last verse. Notice as we wrap up here, he says, he says, being <clears throat> filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ. Where do you get those? Well, you get them from Jesus Christ. And where do they go? To the glory and the praise of God. So the person responsible is the Lord Jesus Christ. The fruit or the future goal is to bring praise and glory to God. And so how does our life line up this morning? Does our life... Can you look back on your life and say, you may look back on your life and go, man, you know what, Brian, my, my life isn't something that's really praiseworthy. I'm, I'm actually more like those Corinthians than I am like those Philippians. But you know what? You can change that today. Why? Because God has power in the present. If God was done with you, Philippians 1 says you wouldn't be breathing, right? He's, you're, if you're breathing, he's got a work for you. He's got something for you. There's no reason not to go forward in faith. And understand that, that man, God is, is working out a vision for your life. He has provision for your future. It's not over yet. God wants to, he wants to provide for you above what you can ask or think. And this isn't a prosperity gospel. I'm not talking about having a bigger house and a new car. I'm talking about having fruit that remains. When you get to the other side in eternity and, you finally, and I finally look and go, oh my goodness, what was it really all about? You're going, oh, Lord, thank you so much. Thank you so much for your fruit, for the fruits of righteousness. Everything we got will be wanting to give back to him. Man, we'll be like, thank you for filling my account, Lord, because now I have something to give back to you because he is worthy of all honor and glory and power and praise. And I'm so thankful for all of y'all. We all work together to accomplish God's mission and God's power for God's glory by his grace so that ultimately someday we come back together, not only 20 years from now, but 200 years from now, 2,000 years from now, we look back and we say, man, all praise, all honor, all glory goes to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to visit today and to think about what you've done in 20 years. And thank you for giving us a 20-year sliver here at Heartland uh, out of the 2,000-year uh, church age, Lord. Uh, we uh, are so thankful for what you have accomplished, what you are accomplishing, and what you will accomplish by your grace until the day of Christ. But we recognize that we're on the clock and that, uh, Lord, according to the Bible, you could come literally any moment. Uh, there is nothing